You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As promised, it's Thursday. Promised by who? Not really sure. But the mailbag is here because it is Thursday, so that part has been promised. It is back to the morning. Uh, Things did not work out that way yesterday due to just press conference, logistics of walking Zuri and all of that kind of stuff. It works out today, even though we have another press conference uh, in about two hours. Locked on Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Uh, do want to remind you before we get right into the mailbag that uh, you can check me out today as well on Locked On Big Ten. We did a power rankings of the schedules in the conference. That was really fun, especially because I didn't have time to do my homework, so I had to try to figure it out on the fly. Fun times. So you get six of me to uh, this week. Four, you're going to get four Locked On Wolverines and Locked On College Football and Locked On Big Ten. So that's it. Let's get right to the mailbag. Start with our leaders and best. Go right to James Crudup at James Crudup 6. With the current, uh, sorry, with the quarterback situation as is, do you see it as Joe and Cade made significant improvements or Dylan may have not taken the steps forward the coaching staff had hoped? If it is the former, what steps could have been made with no spring practice and no pads? in fall camp. Uh, it is the former in the sense of Joe and Kate. I, I think Dylan made significant improvements as well, but I just think that it, I don't think it was that Joe and Cade were ahead of him. And he was like, all right, I'm third man out. I'm gone. Uh, as much as he lost the starting job. And that's what that was. I mean, listen, I've been saying forever that it was going to be Joe Milton. I'm not forever, but I mean, I've been saying it for most of 2020. I mean, you could probably go back and find the episode in which in January or February, whenever it was, when I made the very significant switch. So with that said, um, as far as the steps that can be made with no spring practice and no pads, I mean, it's just going out there and getting the work. But I think Dylan was going to be at something of a disadvantage to the sake of he just doesn't have the same tools that Joe has. So it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you could have, uh, I mean, you, you know, let, let's say you have two quarterbacks. One's, and I'm not saying that Joe Milton is Cam Newton, but just for the sake of argument, you have Cam Newton and you have Trent Dilfer. Let's say they're both the same age and they are pretty much equal in their overall capability. I mean, you're going to pick Cam Newton because he's got the better skill set. He's got more intangibles than just a guy in Trent Dilfer, who, I mean, Trent Dilfer was obviously a game manager and Cam Newton is obviously this electric quarterback, but that's, you know, that's kind of the thing. I mean, Neil McCaffrey is not a game manager, but when all things are equal, you go with the guy that gives you more. And that's the situation for Joe Milton. Uh, I don't know that. Uh, let, let's go back to the thing that I've been saying forever about what I was told about Joe Milton. 
Michigan needed him to win because Michigan's offense is much more potent with a capable Milton. So the great news is that he did win the job because all things didn't end up being equal. I think Dylan, I talked to someone else that used to be with the program uh, last week, and they had said, Dylan is really, really, really good. So they, they were, but they were not surprised by the Joe thing. So, I mean, this was coming from the person that told me originally back in 2017 or 2018, would have been 2018, that the staff saw Joe Milton, uh, you know, I think it was, he'd only been on campus for like two weeks and the staff had saw, saw Joe Milton as a potential first round number one overall pick. So we'll see, obviously, how that plays out. I do want to note, there's still a lot of caution out there. Josh Gaddis isn't out there yesterday saying he's going to be the best quarterback in Michigan history. He's going to be the most incredible thing you've ever seen. We're going to just drop him back, and he's going to throw an 80-yard bomb on the first play, and it's going to be caught, and it's going to be worth three touchdowns because it's that good. No, he says he's capable of these things, right? This is where I get annoyed by, like, the Rainer Sabin uh, hit piece kind of on Josh Gaddis, being like, Josh Gaddis is out there saying he throws 70-yard bombs. You know, it's like, yeah, we've known this for a while, that he has this capability, and Gaddis even said, listen, we need to see it at Michigan Stadium, not just at Schembechler Hall. You're you're taking out part of what was said. Josh Gaddis had just as much hedging of the bets as he he wasn't just out there saying, like, listen, our wide receivers are going to be the best that we've ever had. All he's saying is he's last year he didn't feel as good about the wide receiver situation as he feels this year, and he feels like They've developed into something, and he's seeing in practice what he wasn't seeing last year. That's why I kind of get annoyed, obviously, every time I write anything positive about Michigan, given how they've finished the last several years. You always get that pushback that those those people that are like, you know, do more, say less. And it's like, listen, number one, these people need to say something when we ask them questions. Otherwise, it looks even worse. Number two, you know, I want to know how, how is this guy looking? And we have heard them say before, like this guy's just not up to snuff. And sometimes there's mitigating circumstances. I know I have a dig on Shea later coming later from one of the question askers. No one wants to give him credit for battling through an injury for the first half of the season and then becoming the first Michigan quarterback in history to throw for more than 300 yards a game in three successive games. Funny how that works. Josh Barajadiki, if you had a uh, crystal ball for Donovan Edwards, where would you be putting it and what confidence level would it be at? Nice UM gloves he was using in the practice uh, you were at. Uh, he wore those in the game as well. And then he also asked, as a leader of the Milton hype train, are you worried about it backfiring when he inevitably has a bad game? Uh, so, okay, first thing, Donovan Edwards. 
Uh, I'm pretty much on record saying I would not put in a crystal ball for him if I had one still. But with the, if if I was forced to pick Michigan or Georgia or Oklahoma, which are, I think, objectively his three finalists, he won't even off the record, and he's pretty open with me. He won't, you know, he he won't say those are my three finalists, but those are pretty much his three finalists. I think Notre Dame's kind of in there. Michigan State's slightly in there. Texas A&M's trying to creep in there. Ohio State hasn't gone away. Um, I would probably put it on Georgia, personally. And I would give it a number one confidence level. That's where I'm at. I think it might as well be a coin flip between Michigan and, and Georgia. I think there's a couple factors that keep him from choosing Michigan outright. I think he wants to end up choosing Michigan. But I think Georgia just, the track record offers more. But we'll see. There's still plenty of time. I think that Michigan's done an incredible job getting back into his recruitment. I think they did a terrible job early. And I think they've done a wonderful job, an immensely great job since. So uh, I think he very well could end up at Michigan. In a way, I feel like that's where he will end up. But as it kind of stands right now, I would think that Georgia probably has a very minor lead, in my opinion. And that's not what he told me. That's not what I've heard. But that's the impression I get talking to him, is that Georgia is probably slightly ahead, personally. As far as the Milton thing, uh, no, I'm not worried about it backfiring, because I think my whole point was he was going to be the guy that Michigan's offense had the best chance with him in it. Now he's got to go out there and do it, right? And I know I know he's humble about it, so I know he knows he has to work. I know he doesn't think that winning the job equals success. You know, doing well in practice equals success. I think he knows that uh, he's got to go out there and prove it. But, I mean, it's going to backfire at some point in the sense that if he does have a bad game, I mean, you, he's not going to go out there and sling for 400 yards a game every game. It's just not going to happen, right? There's, I mean, even Joe Burrow, I believe, had like a bad game last year. I, I could be completely wrong, but I feel like that happened. Uh, I got to look to be sure, but I'm sure that there were LSU fans, if that did in fact happen, that were probably like, what are we doing here? You know, like that's just how it's always going to go is you're always going to have you're always going to have that you know people that are like eh it didn't go the way i wanted it to therefore so it might be wrong about burrow we'll see but uh let's see what was his worst game Jeez, he just he threw for over 300 yards in every game but two and over 400 for multiple georgia southern was his worst game opening game but he completed 23 of 27, so I guess it's, uh, <laughs> if you're going by yards per attempt, Auburn was his worst game, 7.6 yards per attempt. So Joe Pro didn't really have a terrible game. His worst game had a completion percentage of 76.2%. So, no, I mean, I think Michigan fans are going to revolt regardless, just because that's what Michigan fans do. 
So at the quarterback position, right? Everyone was all hyped up on Shea for two games, and then he had a decent game against Ohio State, and yet what happened? Can't blame him for all the drops. I know people will try, though, because that's what happens. Michael Wolf at MWolf21. Who will step up the most for Michigan's interior D-line? Uh, my belief is there's probably four guys, and it would be Chris Hinton, Carlo Kemp, uh, actually five, Jess Spate, Donovan Jeter, and Mozzie Smith. I think Chris Hinton has the most upside. I think you'll see a better Carlo Kemp because I think he was injured way more. I mean, when we were at Universal, I mean, I should have known he wasn't going to play in the bowl game. I posted that he was going to play maybe like one series or something right before the bowl game. And then he didn't play any. I should have known because when he went to Universal, like he was like having a hard time walking. And he, I was like, how you doing, man? And he's like, not good. <laughs> so he's doing a lot better now. I think that you'll see a lot better Carlo Kemp. Uh, in his final season, but then, uh, yeah, so I, my picks would be Chris Hinton and, and uh, Carlo, and I think you'll see, I, I'm hoping this is the year that you finally see Donovan Jeter, because that's one of those hype trains that's been off the rails for a while. So, we'll see. Trent Noop at Trent Noop. Do you expect a bigger year from the offense or defense? I think offense. I think that there's... Defense still like I'm still concerned about it because if Ambry doesn't come back, you've got a completely new cornerback uh, combination. The league's becoming that much more of a passing league. It's not all running. I think that the defensive line is going to be really good, but I'm still curious. I think the linebackers are going to be faster than ever, but like I just think the offense is is going to take that step. I think it has the pieces to take that next step. So I'm I'm really thinking that we're going to see an offense that's way more productive, way more on fire than what we've seen in Ann Arbor since at least Denard. It That doesn't mean it's going to be incredible every single week. I think in a lot of my game predictions, I had them under 30 for probably most games when, you know, you would think, hey, that offense is incredible. They're going to be putting up 40, 50 points. I didn't predict that. So. Finishing us out in segment one, Jimmy Whitner at Jimmy Whitner one. With the plus one game, how will they determine where the game is played if it's two seed versus a two seed, etc.? Uh, I gotta tell you, I have no idea. I didn't even think about it. It was just like, yeah, they'll just. I mean, I guess you figure out if one has more wins, you give it to them, or you know, maybe point differential. I don't know how they'll figure that out. To be honest, number two, how much does Zuri weigh? Sometimes she looks big, and other times she looks small. Uh, she's, uh, about 48 pounds. I'm not sure now cause I haven't weighed her since I got her, but, uh, she was 48 pounds when I got her. She looks tiny to me until she's like on top of me and putting all of her pressure on me, which she likes to do a lot, or she's jumping on me. I wish I thought about sharing a video of her yesterday when I asked her if she wanted to go for a walk and she jumped on me like five times and made me drop my phone all five times because she's hyperactive. I love that dog, but she's crazy. All right. I got to tell you a little bit more about Rock Auto. Uh, Y'all know how much I love Rock Auto. It saved me thousands of dollars. That's not hyperbole. They have literally saved me thousands of dollars in car repairs. Uh, RockAuto.com is a family business. 
Serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. You can get everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com catalog is unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer, and it gives you little indicators. This is the best. This is economy. This is just, you know, this is what the manufacturer uses. It's amazing. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com Spend so much time in segment one every single Thursday. I love it, but I always feel like I should spend more until I look at the time. I'm like, man, I'm only like probably like seven minutes through and I look and it's like, oh, 15. Yeah, we probably should get a move on here. Let's continue uh, going with my guy, Dennis Fithian, uh, formerly 97.1, now of the M Zone with Jamie Morris on WTKA. Dennis asks, what kind of numbers are you expecting Joe Milton to put up? I didn't do the uh, the actual – I'm going to figure it out as we go along here. I'm going to say he has – I'm not going to say he eclipses 400 in any game. But let's say he throws for 350 for three times. Let's say let's do the eight game season, three times. Plus, I'll say he does 250 three times. And then let's just say that he has a couple games where he only throws about 200 because the running game is just nuts. So I'm looking at about 2,200 yards, touchdowns. I don't know. Let's say 20. I think that's, a, I mean, I think that would break the record, but uh, I don't know. Michigan doesn't pass for a ton of touchdowns. 20, that doesn't seem right. But nonetheless, I think, uh, let's say 2,200 yards passing, 20 touchdowns, seven interceptions. That's that's what I'm going to go with. RTK at Farmerk 84 with Jalen Mayfield back now. What is your prediction for the starting offensive line week one against the Gophers? Uh, left to right, I think it's uh, mm, I wouldn't say pretty obvious because I think that there's some some guys that are still in a battle. Uh, but right now, what I would go with is Ryan Hayes left tackle, Chuck Filiaga left guard, Andrew Vistarda center, uh, Andrew Stuber right guard, and uh, Jalen Mayfield right tackle. I think that answers it. I think, though, that Trevor Keegan and Carson Barnhart are in the mix for a couple of those roles, uh, as well as Zach Carpenter at center. But I think your your two end your two ends are probably locked in, and everything else. And and I think that probably right guard is probably locked in with Stuber. So I think you're you're really kind of battling it out for left guard and center. But we'll see. Spencer Whitmore at Spencer Whitmore. With all the games being postponed, do you believe that we'll get through all eight games with no bye week scheduled? Uh, no, I think that there will probably be at least a cancellation, and I don't think it will be due to Michigan. I think it would be due to another team. Uh, 
I think the Big Ten is in a better situation than anyone else, but that's not going to stop. What The great thing about the daily antigen testing is that it eliminates the need for contact tracing. The bad thing is, is it's you can still get it in droves, right? But uh, I think that the Big Ten's at least instituted something that is going to keep players way safer than any other conference. So I kind of cringe every single time that I see, you know, like, you know, you know, the oh, the horror. Anytime you see a Notre Dame game get canceled or something like that, you know, and it's like. You know, people being like, I told you so. Listen, this was going to happen. This was going to be a part of it. No one said that we were going to go through and, ju- and just not have any game postponements or cancellations. It was bound to happen. But the point is, you can have more games than you can will have postponements. You'll be able to, most teams will be able to get through the bulk of their schedule. Maybe some won't. But that was, that was bound to happen, though. So... Brad G at GRN Shimer. When would you expect an announcement one way or another regarding Nico Collins? Similar question. Abraham Justice at Mr. Abe Justice. What is your current sense of probability of Ambro? Ambro. <laughs> That's what I'm calling him from now on. Ambro. Or Nico returning. Uh, I think that uh, with Nico, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I, I feel like it's just not done. If you want to re- really read between the lines of what Josh Gaddis said, he's like he said, "I'm you know I'll let that I'll let him announce what he's doing on his own time." To me, it kind of feels like that probably is a better sign than not because if he was done, it would just be like, "Peace, yeah, I signed with an agent. Thanks, Michigan. That that was really cool. You wouldn't draw it out." So I feel like the longer you go without a see you, Michigan. This was fun. I think the there's a better chance of him returning. Ambria, I think, is just it's more of a he's trying to figure out if he can come back. He doesn't want to come back and then be told no. Uh, that's the impression that I get and have gotten since when I did talk to him a month ago. So we'll see. Because at first it was the ship has sailed, and then it was like, well, maybe it hasn't. Well, let's see what's going on here. So we'll see. Uh, I don't know when we can expect it from Nico because it seems like we would have it by now. We'll see if it comes. I would imagine within a week since you have October 30th being or September 30th being when they start to put on pads. At at that point, it's, you know what, or get off the pot. Finishing us out in segment two, Will Mendoza at Willie Will 9. Given the schedule, the Big Ten can't afford a mishap with canceled games, can they? What happens if multiple teams are 5-0 and with a few cancellations? Will the NCAA have to push out the championships? feels inevitable that all conferences will have this problem. I don't know that it's inevitable, but, I mean, there's going to be some teams that have more wins than others. I think the Big Ten, again, the antigen testing is a game changer. That starts on September 30th across the entire league, so it's not like that's been in effect. So once you get to that point everyone's testing daily everyone you know like that's what we'll know but yeah i mean you might have a situation with a couple undefeated teams and three four games left out there and at that point i mean thank you for your service i mean you can't crown champions based off of incomplete data if it's one game that you're missing maybe two then maybe you can but i mean if it's if it's a five game season no you can't 
you can't say that, especially if other teams have played eight. Say a team's five and zero oh and others five and three. I mean, it's it's really hard to sit there and say, well, the the five and zero oh team's the champion because they're missing three data points. It's just a weird year. We're just gonna have to deal with the fact that it's a weird year. That is what it is. All right. We are going to move on. We are going to finish out. We've got uh, eight questions left and not a lot of time. So we're going to get to it momentarily. All right. Jacob Farnsworth starts us off in segment three at Jacob Farnsworth. Rank the running backs by how well they fit into Gaddis's offensive scheme. Also, I feel like more people need to know Blake Corum's name. Well, I think the thing about Blake Corum is he hasn't played a single down. He hasn't even put on pads for Michigan yet. Maybe he did in December when they were having bowl practices. But, I mean, I, I think that uh, you got to pump the brakes a little bit until we see him against live competition. If he's doing it against Michigan's number one defense during fall camp, remember, I want to remind everyone now when I say that, you don't generally go good on good during the actual season. Teams, the offense and defense play against the respective scout teams. Uh, sometimes you do good on good. They did that a little bit, I think, in 20, last year, actually, I think 2019, they did a little good on good during the week, but usually you don't. Um, That's really difficult. Because, you know, Gaddis is, here's the thing, Gaddis has been a, this is the first time he's been an offensive coordinator bona fide. He's been a co-offensive coordinator and a wide receivers coach at Alabama. Otherwise, he's a wide receivers coach. So there isn't like a, this guy is exactly what Gaddis is looking for. I mean, because you're, 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 you've got a bunch of different guys that can do a bunch of different things, right? You've got your more power type guy and Zach Charbonnet. You've got uh, a guy that's a little bit more of a... I don't even know how to characterize Hassan Haskins. Because I, 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 I don't really know. Like, you think... I think of Zach Charbonnet as being kind of more of your Josh Jacobs type. And then I think of Hassan Haskins being more of a Miles Sanders type. Then you have Blake Corum, who's probably more Saquon. And you have Chris Evans, who is almost without a true comparison. I don't even know how to rank them, to be honest. Because I think they all just do such different things, and I think that that's kind of what Gaddis wants, is just multiple guys that do different things. Um, I mean, if I really had to do it, it's going to be counterintuitive. I don't really have a good answer as to why I'm ranking them this way. I am going to say that Zach Charbonnet is number one because I just think we haven't really seen what Zach Charbonnet can do. I'll make Blake Corum too. It just, oh, this is terrible. They all fit. I can't power rank them. I can't do it. Because, like, then I'm like, oh, well, Chris Evans should be right up there. And that's like, oh, but then Hazan Haskins should be right up there. I can't rank them. I think, I think, it, I think they all fit. Really well, and I think they complement each other, and I think that's part of the point. Dollar sign, hail to the victors, dollar sign, at Family Man for Life. Three. Will Nico come back? We'll see. I, I, I would love it if I had a definitive answer, but I don't. Obviously. 
Robbie Lucas at Chef Robbie Lucas. If, and I know it's a big if, but if Michigan goes undefeated, will we get the same love and votes for the playoffs? My inner voice says no. Also, what's one metal band that's a must-check out? I'll listen to your response off-air. Uh, I, I think that it depends on how Michigan looks and who the other teams are. I think Michigan would get the votes for the playoffs because I think Michigan's been in the college football playoff rankings quite a bit. Um, if I'm not mistaken, a lot they, they've been in the rank the rankings as far as the top four. Uh, I actually I can't remember how many weeks, but they've they've been up there. I think they'd get the votes if they went undefeated. If they beat Ohio State, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna get it unless they slip up somewhere they're not supposed to. If they lose to Indiana but beat Ohio State, then it gets dicey. But if they they go undefeated, yeah, I absolutely think they'll be up there. One metal band that's a must check out for me, it's North Lane. It's absolutely North Lane. But if you've listened to North Lane, I'll give you a second one. Thornhill, another Australian metalcore band. Uh, their new album that can't when I say new, it came out about a year ago. I can't remember the name of it offhand is unbelievable. Big, big fan of Thornhill. Uh, it's just bruising and melodic and everything you want. And when I listen to the instrumental version of it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, listening to the guitars, like, how did they come up with that? It's crazy. Christopher Dubay at CDubay90. Have I, missed, have I missed any updates, but I have nothing about Zach Charbonnet. I can't imagine this guy is not ready. Any news? Yeah, you had Josh Gaddis uh, yesterday saying that he's uh, looking better than ever. Plus, I mean, if you've been listening to the podcast, I've told you. I've told you that Zach is got his legs underneath him. Expect a better than every year, which is what Josh Gaddis ended up saying. See, I can tell some of y'all don't listen. Ask these questions. Because you, you ask questions that I've already answered. Come on. Panic. Uh, it's panic with two C's. Do you think Joe Milton's actually as good as the media and coaches are making him out to be? How good do you think he actually is? First round pick, second day pick, third day pick. I think he has the potential to be a first-round pick, but he hasn't played as the starter for any game. So I can't sit, sit there and say he's a first-round pick, second-day pick, third-day pick. He has to go out there and earn it. Talent alone, he is an NFL-caliber player. But production, he's got to go out there and get the production. That's That's his job now. That's what he has to do. As far as... What the media and coaches, listen, here's the thing. A lot of the things that I've been saying for a long time, back since 2018, again, later, these aren't things that were told to me because they're like, you know, waving me over and say, go print that. Go, let's, that's what I want people to know that that's how I think. These were things that happened because they were conversations that were off the record. Hence, people's names are not associated with the opinion. These are these were conversations that were had of like, yeah, this is this is how how my this is my feeling in candor about Joe Milton. Now you're getting some of that in public and people say, well, it's just typical Michigan bluster. I can assure you this is exactly how they feel. It's not just blowing smoke, but again, I need to caution everybody that's ready to 
crown him, either crown him and you know the next the Heisman winner for the next two years, or say he's an inevitable bust. He has to go earn it. He hasn't done it as a starter in games. He's only played in spot duty. They're basically screaming, "This is what he is capable of." Now it's up to him to meet those expectations, as lofty as they might be. He's aware of what they are, and he's he, listen. Part of it is. I can tell you this about Joe Milton. He's been quietly, this has been his mentality all along. He's he's fully in, he's in full belief that he is capable of all these things. He's always been. Even when people were counting him out and saying it was obviously going to be Dylan or, you know, all that kind of stuff. This is where he's been forever. Similar question. This was a response, actually. Josh Ayer at Joseph9. Will Milton be drafted first or second overall next season? Hashtag hoes. Again, let him earn it. I caution anyone, like, listen, I've been on the hype train forever. That doesn't mean that it's a guarantee, because a lot goes into it. It's not just the quarterback. If the other team is just an has an awesome day executing, that can ruin things. But, it, you know, if the receivers have to catch balls, that there were plenty of times where Shea was errant. Shea Patterson was errant throwing the ball, but there were plenty of times where he threw the ball right where it needed to be and the receiver didn't come down with it. You need, you know, there there, there were, in 2017, Wilton Spate, I thought made a lot of really good decisions before he got injured. But the ball was off target. Part of that was on him. Part of that was the protection up front. The offensive line could not protect him. All of these things need to work in concert with each other. So we need to remember that. You know, if Joe Milton has a completely awesome pocket, feeling no pressure, got a receiver streaking open wide downfield, and he just flat out misses him, then we'll know who it's on. If you got receivers streaking open, Milton drops back and has to run for his life like Devin Gardner always used to have to, then we'll, we'll know it probably isn't on Milton or the receivers. If Milton's got the clean pocket or maybe seeing a little bit of pressure, throws a ball, accurate ball, it goes off the wide receiver's fingertips constantly like we saw last year against Ohio State, probably on the receivers. Matt at MJ Van Hecken. Is Shea Patterson really gone, like really, really gone? Like there's no way that Harbaugh can even be tempted to still put him on the field. Listen, y'all need to get over your Shea hate. He was a more than adequate quarterback. Was he a five-star on the field? No. Part of that was injuries. Part of that was overestimation. Part of that was what he was asked to do. He's just, he, 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 you got to stop. People act like he was Nick Sheridan out there. He was not Nick Sheridan. He was an above-average quarterback at Michigan. He was not elite, but he was above average. Whether people want to think so or not. And I know that that's what the opinion was inside. But you also have to keep in mind, like, as Josh Gaddis said, we wanted our completion percentage to be a lot higher than it was last year. Both things can be true. Finishing us out on the Mailbag Podcast. Well over time, as always. Alex at Getty Lee. Not not to be confused with Getty Lee from Rush, but close, like the museum in New York. Or not New York, Los Angeles. I didn't live in New York. I lived in L.A. That's weird. 
at Getty Lee underscore 56. Where do you see Dylan transferring to? You got to think it'll be West Coast Pac-12 likely. Uh, was Colorado big in his high school recruitment? Uh, he I did his recruitment pretty early. I don't really know who was in it. I mean, I could see Pac-12. I mean, he's from Colorado. I could also see him going and playing for Northern Colorado, playing for his dad. I just don't know. I don't know enough about other teams' quarterback situations to know where, you know, he ends up. I'd say take anyone that was in the J, uh, JT Daniels sweepstakes. I mean, he could end up anywhere. He could end up in the SEC. He could end up in the Pac-12, the ACC. If someone wants him bad enough, they'll go get him. But I don't know Dylan very well personally, so I don't know where his head's at at all. Uh, I've talked to him, I think, like twice, one-on-one, briefly. I never talked to him during his recruitment. No, I did. I talked to him once during his recruitment. So, yeah, I, I could not really give you a good answer. That'll do it for us today. Uh, we're, we're talking to Cam McGrone and Ronnie Bell today as part of the Michigan press conference. So I'm sure we'll be talking about a little bit of what they uh, had to say on the Friday episode, not hundred percent what Friday is going to be, but you know, if there's breaking news. We'll maybe we'll get to that. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about what they have to say. Anyway, thank you for listening. Always appreciate it. We will be back on Friday. Be sure to check out locked on big 10. I was on that today. I was not on locked on college football. Give that a try as well. We'll talk to you on Friday. Peace.